Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude here in beautiful Queens, New York. This is Mario Francisco Robles, and you are listening to or watching episode 166 of the Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Look, this week I'm going to be flying solo, ladies and gentlemen. This week I will not have my co-host Brett with me, but it's just as well. I'm going to be able to talk an awful lot this week, even without a co-host, because guess what I just did? I just got home from seeing Black Adam with my kids. Uh, I had to get through opening weekend first. I couldn't see it on opening weekend because I was working, but I knew I needed to see this thing as close to opening weekend as possible. So I booked myself some tickets to a Monday night showing with my two eldest kids. So I brought my 11-year-old daughter and my 8-year-old son to the College Point Multiplex. And the funny thing is, it didn't dawn on me until I was sitting in the theater. But that theater, I have a particular sort of history with when it comes to being teased about Superman's cinematic future. Because you see, it was in that very theater 17 years ago where I was sitting down to watch Batman Begins with around 20 of my closest friends. Because, yes, back during the college days, I had, I, you know, just it was easy to just round up like 20 heads to go to the movies. Uh, try doing that now at 39, ladies and gentlemen. Try that when you're 39 and older. But, uh, yes, back in 05, I could still pull off that sort of thing, where if there was a hot new movie, I could send out a round of texts, get all the approvals, go buy all the tickets, collect all the money and save all the seats that used to be my thing i used to put out really put together really large outings for the big blockbuster tentpole type movies uh, that's what i was doing there towards the end of my college run i was very very focused on studies as you might imagine but yes in this theater in on in on that night in june of 2005 that was the first time that i saw the teaser for Superman Returns. Everyone knows the teaser, right? The original one that's about a minute and a half that plays the John Williams, the planet Krypton music and has the Jor-El voiceover and Brandon Routh is just floating majestically over the earth. And, you know, it was a fairly monumental teaser. And for someone like me who had been waiting at that point, at that point, it had been 18 years since I had last seen Superman on the big screen. So I'd been waiting a long time. And when that teaser showed up, I remember I was sitting next to Joel, my friend, who at the time was also a huge psychotic level. Let's sit around and cry about the score and analyze what is so amazing about these movies. Superman fan. Uh, he was sitting next to me, and I noticed well, as soon as the teaser began, I turned to him and I said, should we hold hands? And he thought about it for a second and then ultimately said no. But it was one of those things where it seemed like it could almost be an apt thing to do for two bros to take hands because we had been waiting for this a long time. And now here I was sitting in that same theater but instead of having Joel and uh, 18 other college friends to my left and right, I had my daughter and I had my son. But meanwhile, what was I really there to do? Look, I'm there to see Black Adam and support. And I was excited to see what The Rock cooked up. See what I did there? But I was there to be teased about Superman's cinematic future because... 
listen, as has been discussed for the last couple of weeks, has been the worst held kept secret in all of movies uh, this year is that Henry Cavill Superman was going to be showing up at the end of this. And that was really what it all boiled down to is I was sitting down to get through two hours of Black Adam movie so that I could get to my Superman appearance. And uh, look, I'm about to get into the review of the movie and all that, but just suffice it to say, um, it was monumental to me to just kind of realize like, wow, I'm back at the scene of the crime. I'm back at the College Point multiplex and I'm about to be teased about where Superman on the big screen is going next. And uh, this is all a really big deal. So, all right. So now let's talk about the movie itself. So Black Adam, after all the hype, after all the years and all the hyperbole, and all the hashtags and all of the the power of the DC hierarchy is about to change and all of that blustery talk from Mr. Johnson. What was Black Adam? Right. That was the big question Brett and I had last week where we were discussing like, yes, we're all, we're super excited for the fact that Dwayne Johnson seems to be the driving force that is pushing Superman back to the forefront, that it was like a perfect convergence of time and place to have the rock there ready to promote his black Adam movie, just as the new owners from discovery and David Zaslav and his crew were stepping in and going, Hey, what's up with Superman? You had Dwayne Johnson see an amazing opportunity at play and push and push and go and you know it, it's it's uh it's such like a again what a he he was in the right place at the right time to make this happen and uh but okay so we're excited that he's going to make the movie and that he's going to help bring superman back but what if the movie sucks right that was one of the big talks last week what if what if he's really not the guy to be who should be calling these shots? What if he's not the one that I want to be responsible for Superman's cinematic future? The but what if it sucks question loomed rather large last week. And, uh, you know, I am happy to report that this thing did not suck at all. In fact, I was thoroughly entertained the whole time. I had more or less a stupid smile on the whole time, probably because I knew what was coming in the mid credits. But I also knew like, this is pretty damn good. This is fun. This is just a popcorn movie blockbuster. This is something I've talked about on this show for a long time. Not every movie needs to be judged on the same exact scale, right? Some movies are like a fine wine that you want to really patiently analyze and take in all the different details and mm, really just take it in slowly and break it down and discuss it with other aficionados. And some movies are like a Slurpee, you know, or a milkshake. It's just pure chaos in your mouth that freezes your brain and maybe makes you uh, have to run to the restroom a little later. But while you're having it, it's fun and it's tasty and it's blissful, and it's just a thing that you enjoyed for a little while, right? I even said last week, I used the, the comparison last week to Aquaman. I was saying Black Adam only needs to be Aquaman good, as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't need to be, you know, it didn't need to be as good as Man of Steel. It didn't need to touch Wonder Woman, 
But as long as it was at least Aquaman good, I was going to be happy. And this thing is at least Aquaman good. In fact, it didn't involve any stupid flute playing on a boat in the middle of the ocean. It didn't, it didn't have any moments that made me want to bury my face in my hands and go, oh, God, this is what I've been looking forward to for all these months. This is what I've been talking about on podcasts and fanboying about with my friends about oozing with anticipation about, and it's this mess. Like I didn't have that moment at all throughout any of this. Look, there is plenty to complain about because there are certain arcs and certain storylines that absolutely get short shrift. And you can tell that they're probably much longer cut of this movie somewhere in there. But all things said, the movie did not commit two of my biggest cardinal sins. One, it did not test my patience. And what I mean by that is sometimes movies that are even just meant to be like this, like a slurpy of a movie, sometimes they could test my patience by overstaying their welcome, by taking a rather kind of silly, simple concept and now stretching it out into like some two and a half hour self-serious epic. This didn't do that. This did not test my patience. This was a brisk two-hour affair. The entire running time, Soup to Nuts, is two hours and five minutes. And when you cut out the credits, this movie is just under two hours. So the movie get, fits a lot in there, but it's paced in such a way that it just is constantly moving. You hardly have time to sit and think about, hmm, did that plot point make sense? Did that character moment seem justified? Did this or that? No, it's just moving. And the good news for me is, you know, I read some things about how the plot might have was some, some people found it confusing. Some people almost felt like certain entire you know, things were glossed over and therefore big pockets of the movie made no sense. I didn't have that problem at all. I was able to follow every single thing they're doing. And I got to see the, the thematic ideas they were going for. I got to see what they were setting up with certain character arcs to, to explore in future movies. I could kind of like see the entire lay of the land of the type of movie that this was supposed to be. And listen, that's one thing that kind of came through for me though, too, is like this thing you could tell was focus grouped to death. You could tell that like while watching it, I could almost hear the think tank conversations that Johnson and his team must have been having while piecing together the movie. You know, deciding what elements have been in other movies that have been successful and what elements have been in other movies like this that weren't successful and how do we weave a story that's just all the highlights, you know? And that's one thing I, I kind of want to point out is like, one of the things I will say is that like, it, it almost at times feels like a remix of recycled superhero moments from other movies. You know, there's all kind. it's almost like a Frankenstein you know, monster or a tapestry with all, you know, with lots of different patches put together from different previously successful movies of this ilk, you know, stuff where it's like, oh, okay, everybody loved that slow-mo Quicksilver sequence from X-Men Days of Future Past. So let's give him that sequence where everything is, everyone else is moving in slow motion, but he's moving in real speed and he's just doing subtle little things and it's causing mass destruction. So let's give him a Quicksilver, you know, 
sequence. And let's give him the thing where he claps his hands and he does the Hulk sonic boom clap that we've seen in the Avengers and that we just saw in She-Hulk. Or let's... um. Oh, there was a few examples. Hang on. See, I didn't write anything down. So this is all off the top of my head. Yeah, even the stuff where like the inter the the interplay between him and Dr. Fate, where he doesn't seem to understand sarcasm, right? He he goes through the wall and Dr. Fate's like, I guess they didn't have doors in ancient Kandar. And uh Adam's like, No, of course we had doors. That's what we walked through. And Dr. Fate's like, that's what's called sarcasm. Like it was right out of Guardians of the Galaxy, and the fact that Drax doesn't understand sarcasm, so certain things go over his head. Like there were so there were lots of different things that just made it seem like okay, we're gonna combine together a bunch of elements and things that we know have worked and that have tested well and just make a movie that's full of just like highlights. You know, th this did not feel uh like it was written or directed by an auteur of any kind. Okay, this is not a movie. That's going to reinvent the genre. This is not a movie that looks at this from an entirely new set of eyes and tells a story of this scale from a from a breathtakingly fresh perspective. No, this is just it's an action movie. You know, it's Black Adam. It's The Rock. It's a cool, interesting origin story. It's the introduction of the Justice Society. It's getting to see how Black Adam interacts with a modern day civilization. It, you know, it, 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 it's a lot of different things, but some great all time classic movie. It is not. But like I said, it didn't have to be. It just had to be entertaining. And I, in terms of the cardinal sins, so like I said, it didn't test my patience and the second thing it didn't do was it didn't insult my intelligence because that's another thing too with these kind of movies that for me makes me check out where now if the script takes a turn where now i'm like oh god this is really dumb and you're expecting me to buy into this silly hokey bs no thank you you know, and there are certain movies that just inherently kind of do that, where there's a twist or a turn where I just feel like, wow, you must think I'm an idiot for not seeing this coming <laughs> or for now making me have to watch this scenario play out. This is really just an insult to my intelligence because no one would ever actually say or do or behave this way. But this movie didn't really have any of that. For me, I, I understood everything they were going for. There weren't any dumb, forced, arbitrary plot devices that made me feel like, oh, what are we doing here? You know, there was one thing just, and this is more just me. This, is just, this was me as a film fan. I had something in the back of my head, and I was worried that it wasn't going to get addressed. And I might have been a little preoccupied with this thing. And now that I know that it did eventually get addressed in the film, I'm tempted to like, when I see it again, I might like it even more, you know, but there was something where I got a little stuck on something because in the trailers, they make a big point of with, with the voiceover where you hear Dwayne Johnson, where you hear Adam say, you know, my son sacrificed himself to give me these powers. These powers are born of rage and whatever. So, I was waiting when in the beginning of the movie when they're showing. By the way, this is a full spoiler review, everyone. So I hope you don't mind. Uh, 
Uh, but yes, in the beginning of the movie, when they're showing his origin in ancient Kandar, um, sorry, I just threw myself off there with my spoiler. Listen, I haven't recorded alone in a long time. Okay. I'm used to having Brett around to help fill the silence at times. Okay. And to help remind me to keep me on track. Now I'm just talking to you and it's been a while. It's been a while. But it feels good. It feels good. I used to really enjoy just me, a mic, and my feelings. And uh, that's what this week's episode is going to be. So anyway, in this, in the origin there in ancient Kandar, they kind of like, they glossed over, I guess they, they kept it more as a surprise at the end that he wasn't the boy, that he was the father. You know, if you're if when you go back, you know, that's treated as a big sort of third act, like, oh, so that's what happened. The boy from those flashbacks isn't Black Adam. That's Black Adam's son. And his son was given the powers by the wizards. But then his son, in order to save his father, gave his father the powers and then died tragically. But either way, like they didn't show that other part until later. So I I went for most of the movie going, wait a minute. Did they like completely mangle this movie and post and edit out a whole other part of the origin just to like simplify the story now? And I and again, I was thinking like, wow, there's got to be a story in here. How do you promote that, you know, th that origin and then have a movie that presents a totally different one? Like again, I was in my own head and I have a feeling when I see it a second time I won't really be worrying about that. But again, even with worrying about that, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. You know, it, it, I enjoyed it better than Aquaman because Aquaman to me was a little overlong. It did eventually start to test my patience after a while. And with some of the silly, dumb stuff with her eating the flowers and playing the flute and some of the some of Patrick Wilson's really over the top acting and even Black Manta's really over the top acting with Yaya Abdul Mateen, like there were things about the Aquaman that made me just kind of embarrassed to be there. I was never embarrassed by Black Adam. To me, it was just a fun. You know, I wouldn't say phenomenal. But it was just a great action movie with a really intriguing origin that sets up a character that I want to see more of. And that's all I really wanted. And that's what I got. Um, in terms of, you know, things that could have been way better. I mean, listen, Justice Society, I think they did a pretty damn good job of rushing us into understanding this team. But they also didn't do a great job of explaining what brought this team together. You know, we get this very quick bing, bang, boom introduction to the team members. But while we're given the impression that Adam Smasher, and I guess her name is Cyclone, the Cyclone girl, uh, we're given the impression that they're new members of the team. But like, what, who hired them? How did this happen? You know, what got them recruited to this? How did Hawkman and Dr. Fate have this history, but it seems like they haven't been together in a while, but now here they are together again, and then they tell the newbies, we are the Justice Society. And I'm like, well, the newbies know what team they're on. We are the, yeah, I know. But like, 
I don't know. It just, you could tell that like the, the, there's a lot of stuff that was purposely not included in this, but we're still expected to just kind of go for the ride. Cause we kind of understand the basic idea of what a team like this functions as in a movie like this. You know, so I feel like, you know, they're expecting your familiarity with the tropes of these movies to help you buy into characters that they were not going to bother to flesh out in this movie. You know, so listen, there are pros and cons to everything, but all in all uh, this, I thought Black Adam was really, really good. My official score for it is a B. It's a B movie and that's totally okay. As long as you know you're a B-movie, I'm okay with that. It's when you're a B-movie that takes itself too serious and thinks you're an A-plus movie, that's when I have a problem with you. But this was a popcorn flick that knew it was a popcorn flick, that knew it had to set a bunch of stuff up and get in and get out and keep you amused the whole time and make sure that the chatter afterward is just about where we're going next and not analyzing some crazy insane plot point that ruined the whole thing or betrayed some beloved character in some way. So I think black Adam is totally worth your time. If you're part of the people who helped power it to a $142 million worldwide opening this past weekend, uh, good for you. If you haven't yet, uh, I hope you do show up for this. I got to tell you, too, it's been um, interesting following the box office for this because I haven't done that in years. That used to be a regular feature of my fandom was to be checking deadline box office and checking box office mojo and like kind of creating forecasts in my head for what things were going to earn and the importance of certain things, having good opening weekends and yada, yada, yada. I've been honestly sort of checked out when it comes to all that stuff for a few years now. But this Black Adam movie has had me since Thursday checking all the latest box office receipts, trying to make sure that this thing hits and hits hard so that the ambitious plans for what is to come can happen. And uh, the good news is it looks like, you know, listen, it wasn't as big of an opening as I had originally hoped. I remember when they were projecting something around 65 or 70 million, I remember saying, oh, I hope it's more like 80 or 90 and that it overperforms and ends up being more like the Venom movie. Um, but listen, it opens to 67 here domestically which was at the upper range of some of the more conservative uh, projections and predictions for the film. So it did moderately well. And it seems like now we can sort of safely and comfortably uh, prepare for whatever future it is that Johnson and company have in mind for these characters and this particular DC world here. So, um, so there we go. So that's my thoughts on black Adam, but now that brings us, to the Superman on film update because yes, now the cat is officially out of the bag because today on Monday, October 24th, that's when I'm recording this. I'm releasing it on Tuesday, October 25th, but I'm recording this on Monday and Monday, October 24th shall go down as a monumental day in Superman's cinematic history. 
because this was the day where Henry Cavill officially announced his return as Superman. In a post on his Instagram, he shared a, a exclusive new image of him in the suit, this really nice profile shot of him in the suit. You can see the spit curl. You can see that the design or the suit itself seems to be the Man of Steel suit. So, because yeah, there are slight tweaks amongst the, the, the other appearances that he's made in Batman versus Superman, Justice League. But this one seems to be the Man of Steel suit. And uh, so it opens with an image of that. And then it's Henry just speaking to the camera for a minute, essentially just thanking everyone for their patience, saying that there is much more to come and that this stuff in Black Adam and this image that he's sharing now is really just the beginning of a whole lot more of him as Superman in the future. So it's official, ladies and gentlemen. It's crazy to think, by the way, because I've been talking about this for years, okay? Right here on this very podcast, I have been discussing for years what seems to be going on with Henry Cavill's Superman. And uh, honestly, it makes me want to give a little bit of a, a history lesson, uh, how we got here. And I'm going to do that. But first, I also want to follow up on, you know, in this announcement, he says that there's going to be much more. You know, he teases that this is just, you know, a small taste of what's to come. And that seems to work in tandem with what we learned last week from the Hollywood Reporter, which is that they're currently shopping for writers for a Man of Steel 2, like a real Superman sequel seems to be in the cards, that this is not just a cameo appearance. This is not just for a Black Adam Superman crossover. This is like to have Henry back for Superman for good. That's what the reports all seem to be saying now. And beyond that, they're pointing out that the studio itself, that the new ownership of Warner Brothers Discovery is very, very high on Henry and that they want his Superman back and they want him, you know, kind of at the forefront of things. So listen, the tides have turned. Henry is back. He's going to get a sequel. We're looking for writers. And, you know, in the last episode, when I was talking to James about, uh, you know, what I want to happen, I told James Prescott, I want Christopher McQuarrie to be the guy. And now, thanks to this report, it seems like he's high at the top of the studio's wish list. So that's, you know, that's crazy to think, right? That's crazy to think that a plan that could have very well happened years ago might happen now. But okay, so now let's talk a little bit about the path because the rock has been saying some interesting things in his interviews this week uh, because as soon as the cat was officially out of the bag, as soon as it became clear that the whole world has found out about Henry's return, which they totally leaked, they had to know that this was going to help put some asses in the seats. But anyway, uh, once the cat was out of the bag, the rock started being a lot more loose lipped about it. And talking about how he's actually been working on that cameo for six years. 
And uh, it got me thinking about like, well, let's see, six years ago, that is smack dab in the middle of 2016, which is the summer after. Well, at this point, you know, if he's if he's being honest, if he's if he's trying to be literal, then we're talking the fall of 2017. So 2016. So. What was going on at that time? Batman versus Superman had come out in March of that year and had gone over rather divisively. And then Suicide Squad had come out in August of that year and uh, also was received rather divisively. And uh, it was around this time that Warner Brothers was amidst its big overhaul where they were deciding they no longer wanted anything to do with Greg Silverman's green lit DC plans with Zack Snyder. No, they wanted to move away from all that. They wanted to revamp justice league. They wanted to change their roadmap and alter how this universe and its characters are being presented. That's what was going on at the time. That's when the slow moving reboot of DC began in the middle of 2016. So I don't know what it was that the rock would have done back then. But we do know that a few months later, in January of 2017, so we're talking more like five years now, in January of 2017, The Rock famously had a meeting at the headquarters of DC Entertainment, I believe in Burbank, wherever they're located in uh, their, you know, in the Hollywood region. Uh, They... They had a meeting. He posted a now famous image, if you ask me, of him against a blue and white DC uh, logo and explaining that basically the tone of everything you've seen is about to change. Uh, DC is about to be about hope and optimism and fun in capital letters. And that's you know, essentially he was like one of the first big champions for everything changing at DC. And it's funny, the timing, because this is January of 2017. He posted this. He wanted to be like the poster child for the fact that DC is not going to be what you remembered in 2016. We're turning the page. We are moving onward. And what else was happening in January of 2017? In January 2017 is when Zack Snyder was showing his cut of Justice League. Okay? That's when the three-hour cut or the whatever, however, the, the, the full cut of Zack Snyder's Justice League was first aired. And they were deciding we need to bring in a new writer and director to reshoot and rewrite a whole big portion of this movie. And it makes me feel like... The Rock has been a part of this slow moving reboot from the outset because he didn't, you know, he met with Jeff Johns and Diane Nelson and the people who were calling the shots at that juncture. And Jeff Johns, shortly after The Rock tweeted about that meeting, he retweeted about it, saying, One of my favorite meetings ever. And then what did Jeff Johns go on to do? You know, he went on to sign off on these huge sweeping changes to be made to Justice League. And in particular, the character, one of the characters that got changed the absolute most was Superman himself. 
It almost makes you feel like he was getting Superman ready for this Black Adam confrontation. You know, if you think about it, if you look at the Superman that was reintroduced in Justice League and where he ends up, you could go straight from there into that Black Adam cameo we just saw. You know, it, it, they were not interested in doing Zack Snyder's long return to the red and blue and doing Justice Leagues two and three and doing the nightmare timeline and him eventually coming back to red and blue and then dealing with Black Adam. No, 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 no. I'm telling you right now in that meeting in January of 2017, they already started loosely discussing, discussing we need Superman back from the dead. We need him in classic OG Superman mode, and then we could set him up for some exciting stuff with Black Adam. Because, you know, Johnson's been trying to make that confrontation happen forever. So when he talks about trying to make this cameo happen six years ago, I think he means more like five and a half. And I think we can date it back to that January 2017 meeting with DC. Because then. If we start, if we use that as the beginning of our path to Henry's return, then you start getting to some of the stuff that I started hearing at the end of 2017, the stuff that even Collider and people bigger than me started hearing at the end of 2017 and started reporting on in early 2018, which was that there's a lot of talk at the studio right now of having Superman, having Henry Cavill's Superman be very much in play having him be a cameo in other movies as kind of a glue that holds the whole thing together and maybe setting up a justice league versus legion of doom movie and in general you know continuing on the henry cavill superman train now that justice league was all set to bring him back from the dead in a more classic more approachable more embraceable form of the character so i started reporting on that stuff and i remember i had some key reports in 2018 that were some of the things i was most proud to write about on during my revenge of the fans days stuff that got a lot of traction and started a lot of conversations about how there is a lot of movement of trying to bring Henry back. This was also at the same time that the Shazam cameo was being discussed. You know, I had reported in February of 2018 that David Sandberg and Seven Bucks and all the people making Shazam had planned on having Henry Superman show up in that last scene. And I'd broken it. And then unfortunately... That scoop ended up getting turned, you know, made half false because they didn't end up getting Henry to shoot it. And it was it's the now infamous headless cameo. But again, this was at a time in 2018 where there was a lot of discussion about getting Henry back. And then as the year wore on, that's when I found out that the noise wasn't coming from the studio's end. The noise was coming from Cavill's end. And when I say Cavill's end, that includes Danny Garcia. That includes Dwayne Johnson. That includes Hiram Garcia. This now all, like all the pieces are starting to fall into play with what I heard and what I have and, and what Johnson's saying these days. Because I had a follow-up report later on in 2018 where I found out 
that no, again, this push to bring him back, this push to have him appear in Shazam and Black Adam and be a continued force in the DCEU, this was coming from the Cavill camp because the studio, after Justice League opened to 92 million bucks and was ultimately considered a forgettable wet fart, they all they they just completely abandoned the thought of using Henry Superman again. They just said, no, we're good. No, thank you. And that's why going through 2018, you know, by the end, at the start of the year, there was lots of optimism in my reports. By the end of the year, when I realized that it was essentially unrequited love, that it was Henry and his team pleading to get their girl back but the girl had now moved on and was considering a reboot you know 2018 ended on kind of a down note after starting rather optimistically with all the word of him reappearing in shazam and you know and he, and sandberg eventually revealed that yes that really was the plan but the studio kind of screwed it up for us and that's why we never got henry back uh, you know in shazam and that is something that last week took some people by surprise, that it was the studio that ultimately threw a big wet blanket onto everything. And yet that's what I reported four years ago, you know, but last week is when people started realizing, oh, so the holdup was Walter Hamada, you know, Henry would have been down. He even lined up Christopher McQuarrie. They wanted to pitch a Superman movie, but it was Walter Hamada who said, no, I would rather reboot, never use Henry again, introduce an all new Superman. We are no longer doing the shared universe thing anyway. So what is the point of hanging on to him? We're just going to reboot. We're talking about the multiverse now. So we're just going to just introduce a new Superman. Forget Henry Cavill. And it's amazing what a regime change will do, right? Because last week, Walter Hamada was shown the door. Walter Hamada no longer works for Warner Brothers Discovery. And really, he's been kind of a lame duck president ever since Discovery took over earlier this year. It's been kind of a, uh, you know, it's just been a foregone conclusion that at some point, Mr. Hamada was no longer going to be calling the shots. And listen, when they canceled his Batgirl movie without even like telling him, I mean, I think we all saw where this was going. But time, but bringing it all back to Spider Spider Man, Superman right now. Sorry, listen. Full disclosure. Right now, it's about eleven thirty at night on a Monday, and I've been up and since like six thirty in the morning. But doesn't matter. We have Superman things to discuss. So, as I was saying, um, about the path of Henry Superman back to the big screen. So yes. Sorry, I lost my train of thought again. This is not that easy, okay? You try talking nonstop. I'm going on 40 minutes of just talking to you about this Black Adam Superman stuff, and you try not to lose your train of thought. But yes, okay. So at the end of 2018, we found out it was the studio. The regime change came in. The new ownership right away said, we want Superman back. There was Dwayne Johnson all too happy to be like, well, you know, 
we've got a Superman that I tried to get the previous owners to use. And here's all this data we've come up with. And here's all this social media goodwill towards him. You've got a Superman here. So why don't we just reintroduce him? And this is music to David Zaslav's ears because he doesn't want the multiverse thing. He wants a cohesive, unified DC universe. That's why he's putting together a team that's going to put together a grand plan, a 10-year plan for DC on film that's going to have movies that all kind of work towards telling a larger story, kind of like Marvel. So it's funny to think that what regime changes can do. So now Walter Hamada is out. Zaslav is in. There's no longer that resistance to Henry. On the contrary, now there's an embrace of Henry. Because again, if you're the new ownership and you're looking to go, we want a shared universe, then you want Ben Affleck back. You want Henry back. You want your, your fan base to have some carryover, to have some familiar faces, and to not be starting from scratch on so many fronts. It's one thing if you're starting from scratch on everybody. But if you're going to have Jason Momoa's Aquaman, if you're going to have Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, if you're going to have Ezra Miller's Superman, all these characters are intrinsically linked to Henry Cavill's Superman. So why introduce a new one? Why just muddy the waters? You know, so it's just amazing how the stars aligned perfectly. And this was not set in stone. I, I hear there's some scoopers out there that are trying to treat this like, yeah, see, I told you this was a scoop that I said a year ago or seven months ago. And it's like, you're lying. You were doing the same thing I've been doing these last couple of years, pointing out that, hey, if there is a likelihood of Henry returning as Superman, that likelihood lives and dies on the rock's shoulders. And we're and, and if we're going to see him next, it's more than likely in Black Adam or in Shazam 2. We've all been reading the writing on the wall and seeing and predicting the same thing. But this cameo was not shot until a couple of weeks ago, people. This cameo had not been cleared and greenlit and officially been made, you know, been officially been made until about a month ago. Okay. So this is all fresh incoming things. Okay. The rock and Danny Garcia and Henry himself and Hiram and everyone at seven bucks has wanted this for the last six years, but it took the amazing happenstance of the new ownership at Warner Brothers Discovery in these last few months to create the perfect storm to finally make it happen. And the funny thing is, it makes it a lot like Zack Snyder's Justice League getting released, right? Because the original regime wanted nothing to do with it. When, when Justice League came out in 2017, the people in charge at that time would never have released it. Toby Emmerich wasn't interested Walter Hamada, who came in a year later, but also not interested. Jeff Johns, Diane Nelson, no thank you. But then what happened? There was a corporate merger and Warner Brothers became Warner Media. And those new owners, that's when Jason Killar and HBO Max was the new kid in town. You know, the new owners decided, well, screw the previous administration's ideas. 
we've got this footage. We've got a social media campaign. Let's release this Zack Snyder's Justice League movie as an HBO Max exclusive. So that regime change led to Zack Snyder's Justice League. This regime change leads to the return of Henry Cavill's Superman. So um, it's amazing how just the the morphing and the shifting of the stars to make this happen. So, you know, what a what a phenomenal time to be a fan of these characters and of Superman again. Because look, it's happening. It's happening. Henry's back. He's addressing his fans. You have Black Adam making good box office and creating buzz out there. We've got a Superman movie on in some stage of early development. You know, they still have to find the writers, but the fact that they're looking for writers, the fact that they're set on their star, the fact that, oh, it's just like, it's happening. It's happening. And as someone who sat here for years, you know, following the breadcrumbs, connecting the dots, writing detailed reports about the stuff I was hearing out there to now actually be living in a reality where Henry Cavill will return as Superman, that the the future for Superman on film is no longer uncertain and up in the air and at the hands of another reboot by J.J. Abrams with a script by Ta-Nehisi Coates, and now we got to hope that that does well. Like, no, now we have a fairly clear path for what's going to happen for Superman on film. And that reminds me, the website, Superman on film, Superman hyphen on hyphen film.com now has a reason to be used. You know, I've had the website now for about a year and a half, and I did a few weeks worth of the weekly planet newsletter. But at the time, like how many times can you write about the fact that there's not a lot to write about right now? You know, I was basically like just, you know, restating things and trying to, you know, read the tea leaves and follow the breadcrumbs and give us things to be hopeful for. But there really wasn't a lot in terms of news to report or rumors to analyze. So now that there is a Superman movie seemingly on the horizon. And we at least have a, a, a torchbearer, a standard bearer. We have a an actual Superman in Henry Cavill. Now, www.superman-on-film.com really should be your destination for all news about what's coming next. Because I'm going to be offering news and analysis Uh, about all the latest rumors and information to come out about the film. I'm going to be going in and releasing some art, you know, some, some, some uh, retro reviews. I'm planning on doing a rewatch of all of Superman's cinematic uh, canon and writing reviews and all that for the websites. And uh, in general, the website, now that there is a Superman to talk about and whose film exploits seem to be, uh, rather impending in nature, uh, now the website will really be a thing. So I hope you start reading Superman on film. Make it part of your uh, of your routines. And uh, I honestly, I think I think this is all I'm going to be covering today. 
So this was a short and sweet episode of the fanboy without Brett, but hopefully you enjoyed my spoiler review. Oh, wait, you know what? Before I wrap up, let's talk specifically about the cameo. Okay. Because now that, you know, we've discussed all the potential rumors of what it could be, but um, let's talk about the cameo itself. So, They played the John Williams music. And you know what? I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I thought this was going to, like, it wasn't going to work for me. But the way, the, the instrumentation of it, the notes, the octave it was in, it didn't strike me as odd. It hit it just right. And... When he comes through, first of all, he looks great. The colors on the suit look amazing. That big S just mwah. He's got the he's got the 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 the, the curl. It's it's hitting. Everything about that hit on all cylinders for me. But one thing that I found interesting and kind of notable is that, you know, when you think about this scene, this in theory is kind of a confrontation, right? We just spent two hours looking at an anti-hero who's, you know, been killing people left and right. His way of doling out justice has been wanton murder until about the last, you know, six hours where he's decided he's going to be a hero now, you know. Um, so when you factor that in, Superman coming to meet with a demigod who has a penchant for doling out violent justice, you'd expect it to almost be a little tense. You know, like, like, like this could be the jump off point for that fight. Like the fight could happen right now if we're not careful. At least that's what I was expecting. But when he comes through the smoke, it's so sort of like calm and friendly that it threw me off. You know, and at first it made me think like, wow, they're really going out of their way to show that this is a different, you know, this is not the the dour Superman of, you know, of, of BVS and stuff like that. You know, they, they, they really seem to be trying to show a gentler, softer, more confident side of him. But then I'm like, but that's, you know, that's kind of a cynical thing. That's the subtext. But in the context of this scene, why would he be so gentle with him? And it makes me wonder if what they're setting up next isn't that confrontation right away. Maybe they're smart. Maybe they realize that if he comes in and he's and he's kind of pissed at Black Adam and we got some glowing red eyes or this is more like he's, you know, he's getting ready to like confront him for real, you know, then it's going to have shades of BVS again. We've seen Henry Superman be the angry God. We've seen this already. So this particular scene doesn't really read like Superman coming to confront Black Adam. It almost seems like Superman coming to teach him. Coming to like, okay, I hear you're the new kid on the block. The Justice Society is vouching for you. We need to talk. And that's the thing, because the we need to talk, that line in particular, the we need to talk doesn't have a hint of threat in it. And that surprises me. You know what I mean? I'm like, 
shouldn't he be a little bit like, hey, buddy, you know, you're you, but I'm Superman and I'm really kind of in control here and you better watch it. You know, especially because that's how Amanda Waller kind of sets it up. Like, listen, I've got the only enforcer I'm ever going to need, you know? So again, you could have expected him to come in a little bit more of a hard ass with Black Adam, but instead he's really just sort of like gentle and soft-spoken and he almost looks like, almost like ready to smile at him. And like, it's more so like he's coming to have a calm chat. So that kind of took me by surprise. I didn't mind it, but it definitely left an impression of like, I thought I was going to leave the theater thinking, oh, wow. So th this is about to go down. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see Superman come through the clouds and his eyes are going to be glowing and we're going to see the, the rock's hand fill with lightning and then go to black. You know, like I thought they might be setting it up like this confrontation is impending. Or, you know, like this is about to happen. And instead, it almost seems like the next logical step based on Superman's tone of voice alone. So maybe I'm overanalyzing. But if you go and watch this movie or if you're going to rewatch this movie, I to me, that doesn't set up a fight. That sets up a, a chapter in this story where Superman's trying to teach Black Adam how to be a hero and how to be a proper hero and symbol for his people, since that's something that Superman, in theory, wants to be, right? A symbol for his people. So, yeah. So just in terms of the cameo, I did just want to discuss that little interesting thing that I took away from it, that it wasn't nearly as confrontational as I would have expected. But then again, this is their way of also communicating to mass audiences that there's a new sort of direction in town, and this is not that superman anymore that this is now you know we're going to see him behave a little differently so uh so yeah so it happened it happened the rumored cameo the thing i've been talking about on this show here for at least the last three or four years it happened i saw it it was the john williams music i didn't hate it it actually sounded pretty amazing and henry cavill is back as superman it really doesn't get any better in this, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you for being here for episode 166 of the Fanboy Podcast. And until next week, be kind and stay fanboy.